Here in John chapter 14, Jesus speaks extensively about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The practical outworkings can be found here in Galatians 5. Truth for Today is up next. Hi there, and again, welcome to the broadcast. This is Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Today, we continue with our survey of John chapter 14, taking us to a side journey in Galatians 5. If you'll remember, we were looking at the Spirit-filling ministry of the Holy Spirit, which got us to looking at the consequences of that Spirit-filling here in Galatians 5. And that's right where we pick up. Please join us as we continue our look at Galatians 5, verses 16 through 25. With today's program, here's Pastor Phil Howard. Today we look at spirit filling, consequences, and that it produces a worshiping people, that he is our great assistant, and there's nothing God desires more than to be worshiped, right? The heart of evangelism, as Piper has said, is that we want to go and take people who don't worship God and turn them into worshipers of God. See, everybody's a worshiper. Everybody. Uh, All the way back to the fall, man chose to worship, but he chose to worship himself. I want to be my own God. So, there's not a lack of worship in the world. There's a lack of the right object. God the Father. That's what God wants us to focus on. So man is in love with himself, in love with what he produces, but we are people that God has called to worship the true and the living God. I'm going to read several passages. I'm going to read Ephesians, and then we'll go over to Philippians, and then we'll go to Colossians, right next door to each other, okay? And so just kind of follow me here. Look at Ephesians 5. Uh, We'll begin at verse 18. Are you there? And let me give a free rendering. Stop getting drunk. This is what they were doing. Stop getting drunk with wine. Ephesus was a drinking town. They had an idol named Bacchus there. And wine was a big celebration And they thought you could worship better if you were drunk. And uh, uh, so, might help some of you, I don't know. Uh, But you remember on the day of Pentecost, they came staggering out, and they accused him of being drunk. But he says, stop getting drunk with the wine, for that is dissipation. It's, It's wasting. You're just wasting yourself. But be continually getting filled with the Spirit. Okay. Uh, so I get filled with the Spirit, and then he just immediately gives some participles, and they just, this is just the effects. This is what happens. Watch what he says. Uh, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's interesting he says speaking. Uh, Then he picks up singing, And making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus 
Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, I think he works out the rest of the chapter on the results of spirit-controlled living. The home, children, how to survive in the evil day of satanic attack. But immediately there were those participles submitting, giving thanks, uh, speaking, singing. It tells us psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. That spirit-filling uh, brings a defined response right here. The singing heart, the psalms, whatever. It just, it's right there. It's an immediate. He didn't say uh, talking in tongues here. He didn't say uh, uh, healing the sick or anything that seems supernatural or uh, uh, spectacular like in the book of Acts. But do these things. It will be the overflow of the Spirit's filling ministry. Okay? Now, look at Philippians 3. Paul is always having to refute the Judaizers who are always trying to get Christians under the law because their theology said... You can't be holy without living under Mosaic law. Paul always said the new covenant in Christ frees us from the Mosaic law. We are not under the law either for justification or for sanctification. The law is not the rule of life, nor is it the means to get me justified. Sorry, it, I need faith. I need the word of God. I need the new commandment in Christ. Christ is greater than Moses. I'm under Christ. I'm under the control of the Spirit, and that is the rule of life. I am not under the law, yet I'm not lawless, because I'm in law to Christ. Won't go there, but we are people freed from it. So he's always having to tell his converts, don't go back under the law. Now listen, finally, my brethren, Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. Other words, in the flesh only, but not the heart. For we are the true circumcision, circumcision of the heart, who worship in the spirit of of God, one, two, and we glory in Christ Jesus, and three, we put no confidence in the flesh. Three marks of true worship. We worship God in the Holy Spirit, we glory in Jesus Christ, and we don't have anything we do in the flesh that we count on. Those are three ingredients of worship. Now, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, and hymns, and spiritual songs. Does that sound familiar? But the difference here is not a reference to the Spirit, but to the Word about Christ, which I take to be the gospel about Jesus Christ, the message 
concerning Christ is to occupy our thoughts in worship. He has the glorying in Christ is an aspect, and when that word is dwelling and living at home in us, we will teach and admonish one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Uh, so I have to give you several readings here. I'm going to look at the matter of spirit-filled worship, Christ-glorifying worship, and Bible-saturated worship. Uh, the foundation of our worship is John 4. I won't go there. I'll tell you what it says. And then we'll look at just the fullness of the Spirit here in Ephesians 5. And then consider Colossians. The greatest passage in all the New Testament that governs New Testament worship is in John 4. A woman living with a guy wants to teach Christ how to worship. Uh, sound familiar? People, lives messed up, but they're experts on religion. And uh, she gets in an argument with him because the Jews and Samaritans debated where to worship. Do you worship in Samaria? Do you worship in Jerusalem? So the woman says, uh, I perceive you're a prophet, but let me tell you, we know where to worship. Jesus uh, responds, well, first of all, you're wrong about that. We Jews know where to worship. Salvation is of the Jews. But then he introduces something. And this is the whole guide, the whole guide for all of New Testament worship. The day is coming and now is when neither in this mount nor in Jerusalem shall you go to worship. From now on, worship will take place with only two ingredients involved. Your human spirit, small s, didn't say Holy Spirit there, small s, your human spirit or the insides of you. I think he could have said heart, but it's interesting that spirit in 1 Corinthians 2 is used of no man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man. Maybe intelligence, the realm of knowing, your, your insides, true worship won't be external anymore in the future. Won't depend on anything external. Vestments, choirs, instruments, places, buildings, a temple, uh, Jerusalem, Samaria. No, 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 no. The worship center will be inside of you. I'm going to turn you into temples of God. And a temple is dedicated to the worship of the God. Your human spirit engaged with truth. What kind of truth? About mathematics? About geography? Oh, no, 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 no. The truth about God. About who he is. What he has done. 
what he has done for us in Christ. It is truth that's vertical. It is truth that uh, is God-centered. And worship becomes adoration, acknowledgement of God's worth, of God's power, of God's being. Uh, it, it is this all-consuming thing that gets the attention of our mind and moves the affections of our heart. It is not just stoical. It is not just notional. I, my whole being is involved in the truth I am adoring him over. Let, let's give an example. Let's have a hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, O God. Okay, the theme is, I'm adoring God for that aspect of his character re revealed in reliability. I can count on him. He doesn't lie. He doesn't deceive. I want to worship you about that. Carol and I, uh, on October 4th, uh, I mentioned, I said, did you know yesterday was the 42nd year we've been going? So we got on our knees on the 4th, and we just begin to adore and worship God for his faithfulness. His faithfulness. Okay, that's worship. Uh, it's not about us, not about my poodle, uh, not, not about some problem. It's about his worth, his works, him. God-centered worship. It's not worship if God isn't the center. Okay? Uh, I grew up with a lot of verbiage people and hallelujah and glory and we thank you this and we thank you. Oh, okay, that, what, what are you thanking him for? Did you know when you say the word hallelujah, you still haven't praised God? The word hallelujah is a command. Praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. Well, well I just said hallelujah. Well, you just re-uttered the command. Tell me something about God to praise uh, 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 hallelujah, brother, isn't he wonderful? You just told me to praise him. I told you to praise him. Hallelujah. Come in, do it. What can you praise about him? Anybody know anything in this building that you'd praise God about? Five people. Raise your hand. What could you praise him about? Salvation. That's not bad. A king. Faithfulness. What was it? Blessing. Yeah. Perfection. Perfection. Unchanged. Unchanged. Not doing too bad. That's what you praise him about. His character. His works. And then you can go what he's done for me in Jesus. We glory in Jesus. So all worship, we don't need a priest dressed up in a fancy outfit. We don't need animals. We don't need candles. Uh, I don't need lighting. I get sick of the idolatry that's in the church. The big word is ambiance. Create the mood. <laughs> Create, get me in a worshipful mood. If you'll keep it dark, I'll feel like worshiping. No, I feel like depression. I'm a child of light. I'm not a child of darkness. Candles. What? That's for my birthday, honey. I don't need, I'm not going back to Rome. 
I don't need liturgy. I can take a plain building. I can take a Holy Ghost hall. I don't need ambiance. I need the Spirit in me and truth. And I can worship. Carol and I took Donna out the other night. We were just, she's been here 40 years. Came out of a, a broken marriage and a church in apostasy. And it was the nice building in town and uh, all that. Grew up in it all of her life, she said. And, and when she came uh, to Holy Ghost Hall, it's where we met in Pinal Holy Ghost Association Hall. And how many of you remember that? Any of you remember? Yeah. Right there, you just met the, uh, these people were all on the ark with me. We were all on the ark together. And uh, way back. And, uh, and we were talking and said, uh, well, uh, Donna, what was it? Uh, we had rickety old chairs. Uh, she said, I smelled the booze as soon as I came in. And often on Saturday night, it, you, there'd be a lot of booze spilled on the floor. Sometimes skunks in the summertime would spray, and man, what an odor we'd have in there. You know what, incense. We had incense. Uh, and, uh, and we were talking, what was it? You came from this nice building, this nice denomination, this nice, why would you go to a rickety old dance hall that smells like a, a bar? Was it the ambiance? Or was it God? The presence of God changed her life, turned her inside out, changed hundreds of lives. You see, Jesus said, you were, let me tell you right now, some of you will leave this place without worshiping, and there's no one to blame but your human spirit. You must not have any truth you're rejoicing over. It, it's not the band. It's not the job of the choir to make you worship. No, no. That's not, it's not our job to make you worship. It's the job of God, the Spirit, to make you worship. Uh, and I worship God all week. I don't need to show up. But this ought to be the most exhilarating meeting all week. You know what bothers a lot of young people with uh, uh, adult music? It's not what we sing. It's how we sing it. Just the, all the enthusiasm has died because we're not into that. Because what we get is notional church. You just know. I just, I'm cerebral. Can you imagine on the wedding day, do you take her to be your lawful wedded wife? I do. Let's get on. No, you must kiss the bride. No, I'm not into emotion. I'm not into lips. What? You're going to write a thesis on brains? I hope she doesn't kiss your brain. It'd be hard for her to find it. What, what, what is it? What is all this dichotomy? I'm all brains and no emotion. No, you're not emotional because you haven't found anything in your brain to be emotional about. God didn't make us dichotomous. We're one whole being. Truth is to affect my spirit. And Jonathan Edwards wrote a great treatise, he who has no affections for God does not know God. 
He who has no emotions about God does not know God. God is not a mathematical equation. He's a divine person that will melt the stoniest heart when you come to know him. This is not science. This is relational. Now, he says in Ephesians, those that are under the control of the Spirit, it breaks out in what he calls uh, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Now, it's interesting. Colossians says, he who is full of the message regarding Christ, full of the gospel, they will break out the same way. So I see them almost equivalent. Spirit filling, a part of its dynamic, it fills my heart with the message concerning Christ, the gospel. Are you still uh, reveling in the good news of what God revealed to you in Jesus? Or has, have you moved on to deeper things? There are no deeper things than Christ and all he's done for us in salvation. But listen to that Ephesians. Here he said, sing these songs, speak them. Uh, I think it's interesting. Here we're speaking and singing. Uh, let me give you a little uh, hint I looked up these words. I've often been bugged by psalm, hymn, spiritual song. What's the difference? And so I did a little study here. Uh, Colossians, what bothers me in Colossians uh, is that we're to speak one to another. Now, let me ask you in singing. Uh, do any of you sing during the song service? Let's see. Besides the choir. Uh, is, it, is it to always be vertical to God? Not necessarily. I think that's the way I would have answered until I studied Colossians. Look at what Colossians says singing ought to do. And Psalms. He said it ought to be admonishing one another. If I admonish you, you know what I do? I warn you. I instruct you. Uh, it's based upon the word for mind. I address your mind to change something about you. That's what the word admonish means. Sometimes it's translated to warn you. But admonish means I'm singing a message of uh, pay attention, change, whatever. And then the word teaching, of course, conveying the truth. Now, he said, we ought to be, when we sing, we ought to sing songs that admonish one another. And we ought to sing songs that teach one another. So there is a horizontal ministry in singing. Not just to God. Does it teach? Does it admonish? Or do we just sing a ditty? Because we, we like uh, the guitar riff. What does it say? It's got to have content. Church has got to be content. We're not just having jam sessions here. We're about content. Okay? Now, let's, if you sing a psalm, what does that mean? And most of you don't sing psalms too well because you don't play an instrument. Psalming meant to play a stringed instrument. That's what the word really meant. Not just the 150 psalms. It was... 
to pluck a harp string, to twang, it's used that way in Greek, twang, strings. So it was songs with musical accompaniment. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Thank you for joining us today. It's our prayer that our time together here on Truth For Today encourages you in your walk and relationship with Christ. As we close out our broadcast, we would also like to invite you to contact us if you have a question about the broadcast, a prayer request. Maybe you'd like to order a copy of today's broadcast. We do have them available. Simply contact us and let us know of your interest. You can reach us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. You are also welcome to write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue. We're here at Suite 278, Hercules, California. Zip code is 94547. Now, another way to contact us and learn more about us would be to visit our website, valleybible.org. It's there that we have all kinds of information about who we are, what we believe, directions to the church, service times. And we also have a lot of resource material stored there as well. Simply go to valleybible.org and spend some time exploring our website, finding out about us a bit more. If you would like to become a TFT sustainer, we would love to hear from you. This broadcast is aired daily here on KFAX as we are able to partner with you, our listeners, financially. Now, as a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a once a year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil. Our weekly video devotional is available to you as well. And again, it's all as a TFT sustainer. When you contact us with your gift of any amount, we'll sign you up. 855 855- 833-9864 or valleybible.org or you can write to us at 1511 M Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, and the zip code is 94547. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. God bless.